0: this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast, I want to air a great interview I did with Joe Newhart. Uh, We did this interview a couple weeks ago, I believe. So um, a few things we discussed um, might seem a tad bit dated, but not too much. I think just some stuff has transpired um, since we had our conversation, stuff like the J-POP trial, um, stuff like Iron Maiden premium artwork. Um, But we literally just go down the list of pinball manufacturers and we discuss what is going on in each of those manufacturers' worlds. All right, so we're going to do that on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast. Um, But before we air it, I do want to say a few more words about what happened this weekend at the New York City Pinball Championships. And I've had a few days to reflect on everything that's gone on. I've been reading a lot of people's comments on Pinside as well. And I just want to address this, not in some like immediately, you know, the morning after interview I did with Brenna. I just want to take that down because I just didn't think it, it was appropriate to have that um, be my my response to this whole thing. And I want to, I want to start out by saying, I didn't go into um, the New York City Pinball Championship um, looking to do anything disruptive. I had a great dinner with Lyman Sheets and his girlfriend. Um, we all had a bunch of drinks at dinner, and we were having a good time. And we were having a great time when we got to the to the championship as well. Um, from there, from there, um, I do regret where things went, and I do regret the outcome of what occurred um, during the women's finals. It, it was not my intention to lose control the way that i did and i and i take responsibility for that and i I apologize for that and i especially apologize to all the people who were competing and 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 worked hard to be a part of that tournament It, it it was their night it was not supposed to be any conversation about me all right um i apologize for not knowing the etiquette of pinball tournaments. I, I, I didn't realize I was being too loud, and that was something that would get me a warning, and then subsequently eject it from the pinball tournament. Um, I think that all parties involved um, probably could have handled the situation better, but you know what? I'm responsible just for me, and and my behavior um, was was not um, appropriate, and and it, and it wasn't, and and I. I should not have acted that way. Now it's easy for me in hindsight to say, well, looking back, I should have behaved differently. Um, Yes. You know, someone asked me like, do you know how loud you were being? And I'm like, I I don't, I don't, I don't have a decibel meter with me. I didn't know how loud it was being. I thought I was cheering um, in a a way that wasn't going to get me ejected from, from the tournament itself. Um, So I should not have done that. I should not have ever, you know, thrown a drink at, at Tim. Um, But I also do feel, you know, a little bit like the way they handled it too was singling me out a bit. And I I don't think it could have been, I think it could have been handled much better than that. And it, it wasn't, it was very immediately, you know, when you're like, when you're, when you're in a good mood, right. And you have some drinks in you and you're cheering, you're having a great time. And then all of a sudden you get like a tap on the back and it's like immediately aggressive and like, you know, like a, st- like a stern approach. Just, I-, I wish it could have been handled differently. That's all I'm going to say. I-, I think everything took a 180 so quickly um, that it-, it was unfortunate the way everything unfolded. And that's that. Like, I think the focus of this event should be on the contestants. And I think people in the thread should, should talk about the people who won and congratulate them. And, and that-, that is what the event is supposed to be about. Um, the last thing I'll say is this. And people were yelling at this me, you know. They they were yelling this at Brendan myself at the event when we were getting, you know, thrown out. Um, I heard a lot of comments like, "You're a spoiled little rich boy. You're such a brat. You're this and that. You're, you know. Oh, you know, uh, Brendan, I feel sorry for you." And I just want to just address a few things because. I read a lot of that on the forums. I, I read a lot of people saying these things about me. And I love that they never say this stuff to my face, but it's, it's, it's always easy for them to make these insults about me um, online. And I want to just, for the record, just clarify for everybody out there that everything that I have, all right, everything that I, I drive, all my pinball machines, I, I earn my own living. I, I earn my way in this world. All right, My parents gave me a great education and I've worked really hard to have the stuff that I have. I've worked really hard in an industry that is very difficult to get creative ideas out into the world and to have an impact in the world. And I've been rewarded for years and years and years of, of, of hard work and I really resent when people look at me and call me those kinds of things. You know. Drunken behavior is, is unacceptable. And when you get drunk and out of control, that's unacceptable. But for people to look at that behavior and then try to associate all these things with it as the reason why that occurs, I, I think that's ridiculous. Um, if I was broke and did what I did, would it have been a different experience? Um, money does not make people behave in certain ways like that. All right, it was It was completely separate. But it's not even about that. I just get this. This sense that people think that I shouldn't have what I have in life. Like I don't deserve the stuff that I have. And I, and I just want to just say for people out there, um, you don't know me. You don't know where I work. I mean, how many times have I read on Pinside what a loser I am? How could I even be employed? What you know? What a joke, what a psychophant, what a narcissist, what an egomaniac. All these things. I mean, all these nasty things people say about me uh, on the forums. And I have to say like... You get tired of it, and I and I think that you know when I walk into an environment and some people just have it out for me without even knowing me. I, I think that's unfortunate. You can go ask, you know, Lyman, or go ask anyone else that I know in this hobby who I am. Go ask Ted. Go ask you know Blake Dumasnail. Go ask the people that have spent the most time with me. What what an egomaniac, narcissistic asshole I am. Do you think these people? You know, I, again, like I I don't know why I need to prove myself, um, but I'm just saying. It really does suck when people label you as something when you work hard for the things you have in life. And I and I and I never like people who begrudge people for having what they have. Uh the other thing I want to address is when people say, Well, I feel sorry for Brenda. Okay. Well, you know what? In that moment I also like it was unfortunate and I did feel bad. But let me tell you something. Brenda's a very tough Irish woman and she chewed me and grilled me the f out when we were in the elevator and she was more disappointed in me than any of you out there so um but her and i her and i have a a relationship where um we we love each other for our strengths and our weaknesses and you know as much as brenda is the sweetest irish girl on the planet we all have times when you know we act outside of ourselves and that's part of loving somebody all right so Uh, I think Brenda and I have an amazing relationship and I can't wait to marry her in December. And um, I wouldn't feel sorry for Brenda. Um, I I wouldn't. I I think both of us um, make each other very happy. And there are moments when we don't. And there are moments when, you know, you get in fights and there's moments when you act like an idiot. and, And you know what? If anyone's in a relationship or anyone lives their lives in a way where that never happens to them, God bless you. But I think that's part of being in a relationship, you know? And I just get this sense too, like, people act like Brenda doesn't want to be in this relationship or shouldn't date a jerk like me. And like, again, I, I that stuff hurts. It hurts when people say that stuff. Um, the final point I want to say too is these this sort of, the ongoing and continuous character assassination of the show and of myself that I, I, I don't understand. And, and here's what I don't understand. And this is what people said to me too. You know, there's like there's three or four guys that got all loud and in my face when I was leaving the event. They kept telling me how much the show sucks. How much I'm the laughing stock of the pinball hobby and the pinball industry. And I, I here's the thing. Who's who is the laughing stock? the guy who just does a podcast trying to entertain people out there and bring them some pinball news and rumors and some good interviews and just you know, have a conversation about the pinball hobby. Who's the loser, that guy or the guy that listens to every episode uh, just because I'm a joke? He listens in because he thinks I'm a loser. He listens in because he thinks I'm making an ass of myself. He listens in for me to say the next stupid thing. Um, what a waste of time. I don't spend my time listening or engaging with content that I think the creator is a loser. I don't spend my time, um, you know, watching movies that I think suck just to see the train wreck unfold. And yet a lot of people say that to me. And I don't even think it's a lot of people because here's why. I get around 1,500 to 2,000 people who tune in to every episode. And are the majority of those people just tuning in to watch this train wreck unfold? Uh, I don't know if 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 that's the case, I just feel sorry for you people that are that are showing up um with you know with with no intent of enjoying the show. you just want to see something or hear something stupid being said. uh I might not be the most well educated pinball player. I might not have the most knowledge of pinball history, uh, but I think it's fair to say that. I do know what's going on in the current landscape of pinball. I think this show has always existed to try and give you information that helps you make the right decisions, especially when buying new pinball machines. I think this show is more tailored towards the collector of pinball and the new in-box buyer versus the tournament player. And I think there is a big difference between those two audiences. And the other thing I always see is, Well, this asshole was kicked off of the Dodge Demon Forum, and he was kicked off of Clav. And so we, you know, he he must be this like evil, nefarious person. Do you guys even know why I was kicked off of the Dodge Demon Forum? And like, look, there are many Dodge Demon communities out there. Um, I am heavily involved in the one that is on Facebook. We never have any issues. Uh, It's an awesome time. The Dodge Demon forum that is online, which is hellcat.org, let me tell you why I was kicked off the forum. It was simply because I would make fun of people who would leave, This, this is gonna sound so stupid. When you get a Dodge Hellcat or a Demon, it is shipped from the dealership, or sorry, from the factory to the dealership with these yellow protective guards on the front splitter right that's the front piece of plastic those yellow guards are only meant to be put on at the factory and removed when the car goes to the dealership Uh, it's so that the front of the car doesn't scrape when it comes off of the loading truck okay it's these ugly yellow uh, guards that go on the front splitter i simply would not let up in making fun of people who would keep those yellow splitter guards on. Yeah, people would be like, I want to keep the car with those on. It is like setting up your pinball machine with bubble wrap around the legs and keeping the bubble wrap on because you don't want anyone to scrape up a leg when they brush against it. That's how stupid those things look. And that is the reason why I was banned, okay? Because people got tired and cranky. And, you know, there's a lot of old curmudgeons who run that site. Uh, I am not a evil or nefarious individual on these forums all right so but everyone can make up their own mind this show is out there you can listen to it or you cannot listen to it we talk about pinball Uh, we talk about pinball and i will say that there's been a lot more drama in the pinball hobby of recent than than in a long time and when this drama happens i i do tend to like move towards it too much and i you know and and i I don't even want to be like the cause of the drama, which unfortunately that was the case this weekend. Uh, And I think I get too involved and and too much in the middle of so much of it. It's hard not to, it's hard not to, because I I think that's the stuff that is worth talking about oftentimes in a hobby like this, uh, because who else would talk about it? I I think this shows always existed to do that. Um, I'm probably going to go on a little bit of a spring break going into summer, coming up soon. Uh, I'll let you know when that happens, but I think we should take a few weeks off and just recharge our batteries and come back with a fresh, more positive perspective on things. I think we've witnessed the collapse of Highway Pinball, the collapse of Dutch Pinball. Uh, Those are two companies that I knew were not going to make it. And I I think it's sad that people's money will be burned, uh, but it's just the way it is. Uh, But I want to continue to do this show too. You know, part of me, when I read all these nasty things people say about me, you know, part of me always does kind of want to hang it up. But when I when I hang up the show, and when I call it a day, uh, I think those people who say nasty things about me without even knowing about me, I think that's exactly what they want. They they want this show to go away. Uh, but I know that most of you who listen to this show uh, don't want it to go away. I know that you enjoy it on a weekly basis. Um, if you think I'm a loser and, and all these terrible things and, and, a, and a, you know, a crazy like bipolar maniac, uh, you don't have to listen to the show. Uh, I'm, I'm not that evil person that a lot of these people want to paint me out to be. Um, I, I It does. It does hurt me when I read people say such personal and nasty things about me and about my family and about my upbringing. They have no idea my upbringing. You think my parents had nothing. My parents worked their asses off. They, they made so many sacrifices to give us a good education. They instilled in us the importance of creating something of value and in working hard. And all, all, of, all of my brothers, everyone, we're all, we all work hard. We've all worked hard to, to get what we have in this world. And, and, I, and I think it's really, it's really unfortunate how I think people take an event or a moment or a podcast and think they know everything there is to know about me and then they go and they say the nastiest stuff about me all the time on the one place that they can do it because none of that will ever be moderated. If there's one place where the moderation rules are be nice to people, if there's one place where you can say the nastiest stuff about one individual, it's on Pinside. And maybe I should just not read Pinside anymore. Maybe that's the, th- it's funny too, when you just turn it off, it all goes away. It all goes away. Um, all right, well, let's turn, a, let's turn a page. I hope we can put that behind us. Again, I just, you know, I'm sorry it happened. It shouldn't have happened. I didn't go in with any ill intent, and things got out of control and I take responsibility and I apologize for my behavior. It's not who I am. If you don't like this show, don't listen. If you think I'm a laughing stock of the pinball hobby, then then why bother? Why bother? If you wanna say something to me, if you wanna come on the show and tell me anything about me, I, I I implore you to. So many of these guys are so tough behind the keyboard. I would love for them to put a headset on and actually try to articulate and have a conversation with this guy who they call an idiot and they call all these sorts of names and the spoiled brat and the narcissist, all that stuff, all that stuff, all right? It hurts. I'm just, I'm being honest. Like when you say those nasty things about me, like it's, it sucks. It sucks. You know, I, I I think when I cover the hobby, I I try to cover what individuals do in their decision-making, but I'm not here to like personally insult like people in the hobby. No more. I mean, I think we used to do that a little bit. I'm done. I'm done, like, I'm done with all that. You're not going to see like, really like, digging deep, personally trying to attack someone and make claims about them. All right, let's, let's air the interview with Joe, because it's a good one. All right, I think many of you love the interviews we do, and we're supposed to talk to Jerry this week, too. I don't want to get that up. I have to coordinate time with him, um, but I think it's interesting to hear about the hobby from a pinball distributor's standpoint. Uh, because I think that if anyone has their hand on the pulse of how are things actually going in the pinball world, it is the people who are receiving the orders for machines. So how, you know how how is Pirates of the Caribbean? How, how has the spinning disc gate affected the sales uh, on the game? Joe's going to talk about that. How have sales been on American Pinball's Houdini? Joe's going to talk about what the demand's been like. Uh, so it's really fun to talk to Joe. But he's a distributor for everybody else except for Stern, I believe. I don't, he doesn't distribute Stern games, which is also really interesting because um, we—it's—it's it's interesting to hear from someone who doesn't have Iron Maiden like flying out the door. And how how has uh, other sales been with the release of Iron Maiden? So we're going to talk all about that. Again, everybody, I thank you for listening. I hope you listen because you enjoy the show. Um, and if you don't. I feel sorry for you that you listen to someone that you don't even enjoy and you think so poorly of. All right? Have a good week everybody. A good week. Here's to a good new start to a week. I hope everyone has a good one. The weather's beautiful. Let's let's put some of the drama to rest and and focus on why everyone loves pinball, everyone. Have a great day. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome back to Canada's Pinball Podcast one of my favorite guests cuz Joe is just an amazing amazing guy. He's a not only a pinball distributor, he does great charity work with children's hospitals. Joe Newhart from Pinball Star. Joe, welcome back to the show. Hey, it's good to be back again. I'm excited. We have to do this more often. We, we do, because um, I, as a distributor in the pinball world, I know that... You're, you live and breathe pinball, so you've always got a lot of interesting insights into what's going on in the pinball world. And so, what we're going to do on this episode is Joe and I are going to just go down manufacturer by manufacturer and just sort of talk about what's going on in that manufacturer's
1: world right now. How's that sound, Joe? That's perfect. All right, awesome. We'll just we'll just we'll just fling it.
0: We'll f- we'll fling it. So I'm going to I'm op- actually opening up Pinside because it actually has a nice listicle of all the manufacturers. You're not allowed on Pinsight. What are you doing? I I know. One day they're actually going to ban my ability to even read it. But I think there might be a movement, a groundswell, to get me back on after all the recent developments that maybe I was actually trying to help people all these years. But we'll see.
1: I'd like to see you there.
0: Thank you. That's one vote, Robin. All right. So let's let's just start at the top. So I've got Stern Pinball at the top. Obviously, Stern Pinball has had – a pretty incredible month with the reveal of
1: Iron Maiden. Joe, what, what are your thoughts on, on, on that game? I, I have not. I'll be honest with you. When it first was revealed or first announced as a title, I really, I, I, I don't know. I, I wasn't thrilled with it. I just thought it was a very narrow uh, band to select. and But the artwork on the game is phenomenal and obviously the uh the play field layout uh that was done um by by Keith Elwin is amazing, and I haven't played it. I haven't seen it in person. I'm looking forward um to doing that in Allentown obviously but um i I think it's gonna do very well. obviously, they sold out of the l e s and those are are now in you know uh high demand and not able to be found so uh th- I think they've got a good title on their hands right.
0: What did you think of the um, the LE art package, which we saw just a couple of days ago?
1: I, I liked it. Um, I, I actually preferred it over the other ones. And, and sometimes on the L- LE packages, you know, with the art, you're, you're not, you know, you, you may not like what you get. And you think, well, I want the best art package because I'm spending the most money on an LE. Uh, I liked it. I mean, what's your feeling? Do you, is there uh, yeah. some consternation that it's well, not the it's, best of the It's interesting.
0: Um, it's, it's, it's. It's received a little bit of a polarizing response. And, and I think when you look at the way people give feedback on artwork in pinball, it's, it's kind of always that way. It's very rare that there's just like a unanimously loved art package in a game. Uh, I, I think that the complaints I'm hearing from people are that it's too colorful, which I do think is silly. Because I think pinball machines should be colorful and pop in a game room. Um, I like it. I love it. Actually, I saw it and I was like, "This is cool." It's 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 it, it exceeded my expectations. I, I thought the airplane was going to be more of what we saw on that banner at MGC, and it was actually more of a close up of of the two Eddies in the cockpits, and has the red and the you know the 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 green plane with the red armor, and and you know, I, and I also think you have to see it in person, Joe, because the metallic cabinet decals that Stern uses for that game, which is the same as Batman Super alley.
1: It, it, you can't really appreciate it unless you're standing I, next. to you. I agree, and I was just—I was just going to say that. I said the hard—the hard thing, you know. There's a couple differences with Iron Maiden. Number one is you, you've got Jeremy um, doing the artwork, so every package is going to look nice, no matter what. Now, if you're talking about something like Star Wars, where they're photoshopping pictures together, I mean that's going to be hit or miss. Depending on, you know, and and if you happen to get one that's kind of sparse on the LE and it doesn't look good, then that's not good. As a matter of fact, on the Star Wars LE, they gave the LE buyers all three translates to swap out as they saw fit. And I think that was probably a reaction to people, you know, that were buying the LE, maybe not being happy with the translate. But when when you get into custom art and Dirty Donnie or or Zombie Yeti doing the art package, uh, you're not gonna you're not gonna fail at either level. You may prefer one better than the other, but you're still gonna get you know a great art package no matter what. Absolutely, and and
0: you know sometimes it's it's almost as if with each new release, I think people forget what came before. Where people gush over ACDC Lucy. And then I look at the detail on Iron Maiden LE and and how could you love Lucy but then think Iron Maiden isn't giving you a, a true LE experience? It's, right. it's insane. It looks great. like And they're sold out, right? I think we've now reached the point where um, the games are going for more than they were retailing for. Now, as a distributor, Joe, this is a curious question I have. What's it like when you see a game and it's selling on the secondhand market immediately, like people are flipping it. Uh, as a distributor, do you discourage that, or are you cool with people getting in on a game through you, and then you see them sell it immediately for a grand, two grand more, and does it bother you, or do you not there, really care? Well,
1: you know, that's a really good question, because there was a threat on Pinside, and usually I try to keep my nose clean, and I, I won't comment on things that I personally have a strong opinion about, but... Somebody did post about, and I think it was in regards to the Iron Maiden, about, um, and it wasn't customers, and, and that's the line that we have to differentiate, and and it's actually two questions. Like, how do I feel about a customer doing it, and how do I feel about um a distributor doing it mm-hmm. now you know i'll take the distributor side first quick and dirty you know i posted in that thread and i said i think it's distasteful i don't i don't like the fact that a distributor may be okay selling a crappy title like you know wwe and making whatever their margin is but then when they get a title that's hot and i'm going to tell you i think some distributors hold back stock and tell people on the first day or second day that hey this title sold out And uh, and then a week later, all of a sudden they've got, you know, they've got them appearing for a thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars more. Me personally, you know, I I just value my customers more than that. I I don't want to I would feel embarrassed to tell somebody that's bought. Games for me previously, or somebody that I hope to sell games to later. That oh, I've got this game, but it's fifteen hundred dollars more just because I know you want it. I right. i just think that's you know, excuse my French, it's a little shitty to do, but right. you know, it does happen. Now customers doing it, you know, I, I don't have any control over when somebody buys a game from me, what they want to do with it after. I I can tell you it does cause uh, some heartache with people, and I can tell you some companies like Spooky, I'll, I'll, you know spooky monster games going to people that want their games uh you know we had a situation with rob zombie where when that game was really hot early on we had people looking to buy two or three of them at a time and charlie at that point said we don't want to do that and i adhered to it and had to tell customers nope you want one we'll sell you one but we're not going to sell you extras to flip and then leave people that truly want the game or Rob Zombie fans or Spooky fans, you know, leaving them in a position that they have to spend more money to get the game. So it's a, it's a fine line. I mean, we don't really control what people do once they buy the game, but, um, you know, personally, I
0: saved that person some money because pretty quickly there was no money to make on a Rob Zombie flip. And that's, and
1: that's, (laughs) that's, that's that's the kick in the ass, you know, like, you know, people are, are prospecting and, and, you know, buying these games, wondering whether they're going to go up in price and I, I don't know i again if i'm selling a game to a customer your initial question was do i care or i, I don't i don't necessarily care and it depends on the company i know sp- i know spooky cares about it so i may be a little bit more you know cautious about allowing that to happen with a spooky game whereas if it's a jersey jack game or something like that and you know people want to buy three of them then you mm-hmm. know send me your money and here's three of them. I, yeah.
0: Well, it's interesting, too, because when you look at pinball machines that are associated with really hot properties like Ghostbusters or Iron Maiden or Batman, I've flipped a couple games, and I've realized that the people who buy my games on the secondhand market, most of them are not on Pinside. They're not aware that lists are even happening with distributors, and I, they they, sort right. of, they stumble upon it late. A lot of these gentlemen are also fairly wealthy they uh, they don't really have a problem paying a couple grand more for something they really want um and oftentimes the seller who's trying to flip is pretty harshly chastised I, i'm seeing it right now on Pinside of people flipping maidens um but as long as the buyer and the seller are happy
1: eh, life goes on life goes i've on. done they, i've i've bought i paid 12 grand for a uh Back in the day, I paid twelve grand for an ACDC dc Back in Black. I had a premium and whatever the collector and me had to have the Back in Black version, and and I ended up poning up the money to do so, you know, and sucked to do it. But like you said, I was I was willing to do it. So right. again, there's really not harm, and I, we, nobody was hurting anybody.
0: And and for those of you who think Canada's a bad guy, I had a Batman LE that I easily could have flipped for money. And I sold it to Joe for MSRP. Yes, you did. Do you still have it? Yes, I do. You're like I flipped it for twelve grand the next day. That's no, all. It's a great game. It's it's finally shaping up to yep. be a great game. Um, yep. We are still on Stern. So um, so how how do you feel Batman's come along now that it's sort of finally sort of
1: getting. I to I, the good I place? always liked I always liked that game. Um, I, and it's not that I love every single game that they put out. Uh, Star Wars, I was a clunker to be honest with you but batman i really liked it which surprised me because i i thought yeah it's going to be a little bit too similar to the, the dark knight game which i also have that one but um i i like it i liked it from the beginning i love the campiness i like the videos like the old you know tv show videos in there um i love the artwork obviously um but you know the game has really come along i, I actually thought it was fun when the the code was even kind of crappy and i knew you couldn't do certain villains and certain things wouldn't be achievable but as they've evolved the code it's really become a good game so i mean i've listened to some of your podcasts and i know you were you know really high up on it and i i agree with you it's it's evolved to be a really cool game
0: i've taken a lot of abuse on the flip-flop i've done on that game but it's just, I think it's really fun now, and, and
1: but the game changed. It changed you know, it, it, it changed.
0: <laughs> I feel like I'm pin side sometimes. You know, or, or you're not allowed to change your mind. You have to like go all in on in a, on a hard line position on a manufacturer or their games, and you're not allowed to be like. I actually tried it again and now it's fun. So I own it. Um, well, Stern's doing great. And Stern is, they have a huge hit on their hands. Games are flying out. Um, we should see the premium artwork of Iron Maiden soon. Uh, so all is well in Sternland. So let's go down to the next one, which I know you're very intimately involved with, which is Jersey Jack Pinball. Um, and. Obviously, the big news of recent has been the alterations to Pirates of the Caribbean. Walk walk me through, Joe, because you actually have firsthand knowledge on, you know, did, did, did you get a lot of people to ask for refunds? How has it been since they revealed those changes to the game? It's, it, has it been
1: a fun two weeks? No. Um, has it been uh, absolutely, like, devastating? No. Um, we maybe had five to seven cancellations and the majority of those, uh, now keep in mind I'm a big distributor too. So that's five or seven out of maybe 60 or 70 games that I've sold thus far. So it's a very small percentage percentage. Uh, and not surprisingly, you know, the, the bulk of those were people that were in on the collector's edition that were spending 12500 right. I, like, I
0: feel like we all were, and I was one of those. I feel like we kind of all were looking for just a little bit of an exit because it's so pricey. But you know what? I think people might go back to as they – because the, the, it was all refundable, right? I, as Jack says is too, is these orders, they're not like order orders. They're intentions to buy refundable deposits, which – You know, you're kind of one foot in, one foot out with that kind of system.
1: Yeah, here's here's my spin on it. Um, it, it, Is it disappointing? Yes. I mean, it's it's disappointing to people at Jersey Jack. Obviously, it it was a great design by Eric. It was really cool, Um, but they couldn't get it to work. So on the flip side, I commend Jersey Jack for – making a hard decision that they knew were going to disappoint people, that they knew were going to hit them in the pocketbook, you know, temporarily. Right. I think everything's going to kick back once this game gets out there and people see how amazing it is. But, um, you know, they they made the hard decision and they said, listen, we we the last thing we want to do is put something out there that's going, that's going to fail on people. It's going to be devastating to us and it's not what we want for our customers. So they made a hard call on that one to you know to pull their horns in on it you know obviously you know if they delayed it longer could they have gotten it to fix who knows bottom line they very easily could have switched to the one disc still had the functionality of a disc you know throwing the ball around and obviously you know to their credit they kept the programming which was some of the cool feature of that uh and put it up on the screen with the random awards uh i really liked arches um Suggestion of doing LEDs that spin around on inserts and then a magnet throwing it around. Um, I thought that was really cool, a great idea, and something that could have been done in the middle. But again, that's going back to the drawing board and redesigning stuff. And, you know, at this point, they need to get the game out. And like Jack said on the Pinball News podcast, you know, you may see that mechanical toy on a game in the future for all you know. You know, they're. they're do you,
0: how, how do you think they handled
1: communicating this? Uh, I I don't know how it could have been done differently. I think it was Eric's place to do it uh, with the video because it was Eric's design and, you know, Eric obviously was involved with trying to get it to work and, you know, the issues with it not working. So I I think it was good that they gave Eric the floor to do that announcement, Um, you know, to everybody. Jack, was in uh i think he was traveling in europe when that occurred or he was just about to go to europe Uh, so i know there was really no official word from him for a few days because he was traveling and then he did the podcast but i don't know i mean what's your feeling i mean obviously maybe you have an opinion that it wasn't done properly and i I I can address that well i think if
0: you look at i think the tide is starting to turn back to neutral if not accepting of the change and and I think when they were doing it, A, I wouldn't have done it like end of day on a Friday, right? It felt a little bit like, hey, we're just going to like release bad news on a Friday, which is, you know, take it and then let people chew on it over the weekend. I probably would have explained a little bit more the issues that were happening with the concentric, you know, the three concentric rings versus just saying they weren't reliable. I would love to have seen what. A lack of reliability looked like, right? So show us some gears that are stripped and whatnot, and people will accept that. I mean, at the end of the day, we're not, we're, we're not like going to force you to put something in that's not working. Um, I also think when they finally got up the new videos of the new uh, change, people were fine with it, you know, and I think you, you got to sort of lead with a positive sort of foot, and, and, and also, I, I just, I, I know they're being transparent, but I just also would never communicate like how bummed out you are because you just don't want those thoughts to even be in people's heads. Even if you do feel that way, you sometimes have to, uh, you know, sell the sizzle of the change you're making and not not say how disappointed you are to have to have removed. Um, it was it because, was and even though you are, I, I think that's the challenge with communications. You don't want to just be like a spin doctor getting up there like, this is even better. I wouldn't do it like that. Um, but I, I think they probably should have revealed it a little bit differently but look we all forgive and forget to your point joe i think the game is still phenomenal i I don't think this changes so much of why people love the game Uh, and i think when people get more time on the game they're going to realize the game is still there that they they fell in love with and i I find it funny though too because people they complained about the rings and then you take them away and it was like the most their favorite part of the game it was like you can never I, win. I
1: just I had a conversation with a customer today, and and I said I'm frankly not a big fan of spinning discs on games. I I just don't like the fact that you could you know be playing, have a good ball, and all of a sudden the 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 disc, is, but through no fault of your own, you know you it's hard enough to nudge and play and catch balls and you know line up your shots, and then to have a spinning disc just throw it right down the middle of the flippers. I'm just overall not a huge fan of the discs. So me, as a collector, um, the three versus the one, you know, the three was a neat feature. And the LEDs, I think, were a big part of that. Um, But I had had a Pirates here for a month before I did my reveal party in Philadelphia in January. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't really... I care that much, I don't know that you know the programming wasn't in there at that point in time for the discs, but um, I, I you know if if they weren't if they weren't there, it wouldn't have diminished too much for me the experience of the game. I think the ship is amazing the fact that it tilts the way it does and it's controllable as far as just not it's not a ball drain it's done very well with a very slight tilt. Um, being able to shoot from the black Pearl over to the other ship with the button on the lockdown bar is really cool. The upper flipper has a ton of shots. There's a ton of detail on the game and I'll be honest with you. I didn't love the theme, you know, I, before it was announced, obviously I knew it was coming. I just thought to myself that there were so many new and fresh, Things that could be done on the Jersey Jack platform with the LCD screen that at that point in time, I just thought to myself, yeah, pirates, it's been done before, which obviously a lot of people had that same, you know, thought in their head. But then when I saw the game and I saw what Eric did and I saw the package of, of detail that was put on it, um, and I had it for a month, and and I'll tell you what, I loved it. Um, you know, so it is a great game. Um, Where nobody's worried. I mean, this game is absolutely going to sell once it starts getting out there, and people get them in their homes, and they realize it's the same thing with Dialed In. Look at Dialed In. I mean, Dialed In had I don't want to say nothing going for it, but you know, you had you know Mister Mom jeans, and you had the artwork, and you had the name that nobody liked. You know, the only thing going for it was that it was a great design and it was pat lawler right. and that game now is is thriving um, people love it when they get it we're still selling them very consistently and that was a game that had a very negative you know launch whereas pirates was the opposite we had an incredible launch with pirates because it really blew everybody away and now we've got this hiccup and i think this is going to be a temporary hiccup and yes there's some people that aren't going to come back to it and you know but we're also no, this this game is going to be a good seller, and you know it's already a great game. And you know, for me, probably my second favorite, Jersey Jack, right? You know, thus far, do you
0: when Jack announced it at Expo, Joe? Were you, were you like, why are we going out so early? Like, if you're not going to ship for such a long time, did, did you see an impact on dialed in orders or? Because we speculate on that, but you're a distributor, so you're you're seeing the the real effects of of, of this
1: of these moves. So, what was it like? I think you've got my phone tapped because, uh, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of that discussion. I was very adamant that um, I hated the fact that they were revealing it at Expo. I mean, to the point that I, you know, was sending emails to uh, at that time Joe Harbor, the C- CEO, explaining to him that you know don't think that because it's Pinball Expo that you have to adhere to this calendar every single year as far as reveals and i was worried you know for them from a perspective of dialed in i used the word cannibalize i thought it was going to cannibalize dialed in sales when they were just starting to you know hit their stride and starting to ship and i just want to get away from pre-order i don't want to be taken even though it's 250 bucks it's you know the you know very small amount of money compared to the cost of the game and it's refundable but I don't wanna be taking people's money and then not delivering a product. I I just had such a positive experience the year prior with the Attack from Mars revealed where Chicago Gaming did an incredible job keeping everything under their hat. Uh even to us as distributors, you know, we all kind of knew it was Attack from Mars. Um, but they never told us anything official. So we were still kind of guessing up until the last minute. And then When they announced the game, we're ready to ship in three weeks. I mean, for me as a distributor, uh, you know, that makes my mouth salivate because I don't get that a lot. I, You know, I'm a a spooky distributor. We wait there. I'm a Jersey Jack distributor. We've been waiting on every title there. Um, and to see a company like Chicago Gaming come out and reveal a title, have the excitement in the community, and then we can take orders and deliver quickly, like, that's what I want to do. I want to make people happy. I don't want them, like, nagging me. And I, I shouldn't say that. I don't want them disappointed that they have to continuously email me for months and months, you know, when's the game going to start shipping right. and, and everything. The other thing I really didn't like – is you know the first quarter 2018 uh date uh i and i don't know anything about anything as far as the design you know the engineering process or how you know close they were or weren't but to throw a date like that that wasn't too far in the near future i thought was a little you know haphazard and and obviously you know it it takes longer than that to get a game like this Mm -hmm. from development
0: did you, did you so did you see any impact on dialed in orders or it didn't really no impact
1: no, no not really it really did and i was wrong there um because dialed in was it was just starting to come into its own you know there's w- with w- when games games go on sale there's there's cycles chris uh i'll use tna as an example because it's a, a recent one that really you know held true to this this theory is when a game gets announced there's excitement people throw their money down okay and then there's the lull and then when the game starts shipping there's another little period of excitement okay it's real you know they're not going anywhere we actually see it you know being produced now another group of people will get in and then the third wave which tends to be the one that we really want to see are what we call the real orders and these are the ones that when people get the game into their homes or it starts appearing at shows and people get to play it and they realize that it's a good title. Um, We start seeing, we hopefully with each game, like, you know, the, the, you know, the reveal and the starting to ship, those are kind of always going to happen whether the game is good or not. Um, But the litmus test of whether a game is really going to have legs and be a good game in terms of sales is really whether it starts selling well once it's it's out there and people are experiencing it, and we had that with TNA, and it has not stopped yet. Um, you know, I remember one time last month, like I order my TNA allotments usually in like bunches of ten or fifteen or something like that, and I remember I bought um, a group of ten because I kept selling out of them. And I bought another group of 10 and maybe my numbers were like in the mid two fifties or two hundreds around two fifty or so. And then literally over the weekend, I sold like five games and I thought, well, I'm going to get another 10 now. And I ordered another 10 thinking that they were going to be very close to the ones that I just bought. And surprisingly they were up near 300. And I remember emailing KT back. It's spooky. And I said, what happened? I said, "I, I just, you know, wednesday or thursday i ordered 10 and they were like 250 to 260 and now i'm up like you know in the low 300s she said we sold that many in the last you know in the last week and booked them because the game is really getting hot like so you know tna is so that that's like a good thing and dialed in has that still too um you know dialed in is still a, a good game that is selling consistently uh wizard of oz is a good game that sells consistently you know hobbit maybe not so much hobbit goes in spurts you know i can go two months and not sell a hobbit and then also three in a week um you know i prefer the games like dialed in or tna that you know the more people see it they're they're gonna say hey this is a i really like this game it's a good game and it's something that i want to own or own eventually and and they keep selling
0: where do you where do you um in terms of best-selling JJP games, I've, I've probably Waz is number one right now. Where do you see do you see Pirates eclipsing Waz, or do you, you think it's going to be like a, a battle between? You think it'll eclipse Dialed In?
1: Uh, yes. Uh, and you're asking me for a pre- purely personal prediction. I I would I would think it might eclipse Dialed In or or be very close to it. Um, I don't think there's any chance it's going to be not as popular as dialed in right um i think they'll probably be very equal now when you compare either of those games to wizard of oz you know it it's not really a fair comparison because wizard of oz has been you know for sale we're gonna almost be what seven years now since right. 2011 that it's been on sale and the other big advantage with wizard of oz is the fact is the theme um you know it's it's got a theme that families love i can't tell you how many times it shows um, the wives you, typically it shows it's funny. Like I'll get i I'll get the husband looking at a title and I, he keeps coming back and he keeps asking me questions and then he'll come back and play it again. And I'll see him in the booth a lot. And then eventually they'll come up and say, you know, I'm, I'm ready to talk Turkey. I, I think I'd like to buy this game. Uh, give me the final number and I have to go, you know, get it approved from the boss. Right. And we all know what that means. That means right. the wife. Um, so either he's got to make a phone call or he's got to bring his wife over to the booth. With Wizard of Oz, that doesn't exist. it's It's usually, if, if someone's wife is with them at the game and they're considering purchasing that one, there's no bantering. There's no discussion. The wife usually really likes The Wizard of Oz because it, it looks nice. It's going to look nice in her house. It's a theme the kids know. It's something that's not dark or moody. It's something that she's probably into or you know liked at some point during her life as a child or whatever. Uh, so comparing... You know, the more recent titles. Um, Iron so Maiden for Oz. the wife. <laughs> <laughs> What's that?
0: Iron Maiden for the missus. <laughs> Put them right next to each other. The, the Come kids on, love man. Iron Maiden these days. Um, no, I, I agree. So let me ask you a question, Joe. I know we're not, I'm not going to get you to speculate on titles, even though we, we, hear, we know the rumors. When do you think we'll see the next Jersey Jack game unveiled?
1: I, I, I don't think I'd be spilling any beans, but I don't think you're going to see it at Expo. Uh, I, I think it's going to be probably maybe you know and and again I'm going to go back to do we really need to reveal games only at shows you don't I, I don't know why everybody I don't does. know I don't Chi- I, Chicago Gaming doesn't they didn't do it Stern with Attack from it. Mars Stern and doesn't. they 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 passed over uh they passed over Texas this year they were going to reveal it at Texas and they were they wanted to add some more stuff and they thought you know we're not going to show it until we can show everything we're putting on this game and i trust me for the last month i've been jonesing with uh you know doug at chicago gaming to maybe use allentown as a platform obviously Pusa would be great for you know myself and and melissa and chris a coin taker who are you know friends of mine and also chicago gaming distributors there at allentown you know be great for us to you know kind of you know get to do that at at one of our shows but uh you know we're still a couple weeks out we did get an email this past week that uh, probably the end of uh may you know within the next month or so we're we're gonna see remake number three but as far as jersey jack i i don't i think it's going to be in 2019 and i pretty much can tell you jack said it publicly you know you can pretty much guarantee that the game is going to be close to shipping when they reveal it you- I mean, and let me make another comment yeah, about yeah. pirates as well. Um, that I I mentioned this to a couple other customers that that maybe it, not so much that are just mad about the change. There are changes made to pinball machines when they're in the development stage at, with every single game. You know, we, we all hear the stories of um, you know back in the Bally Williams days that you know this game was supposed to have this and. Twilight Zone was supposed to have that and, and, you know, they took this out or, you know, they did a run of, you know, whether it's like Earthshaker, they had the sinking building. And then after 100, they decided, oh, no, it's not going to, you know, it's either a bill of materials thing or it wasn't working properly. And they took that out. And that's why you get, you know, there's 100 prototype Earthshakers, they call them, that have the sinking buildings. Um, Things are changed with games the whole time. I don't think the mistake here was anything with the engineering I think it was really ambitious for them to do what they were trying to do with a three spinning disc. I think the only mistake was made was on marketing and revealing the game, you know, at that early stage. Uh, Whereas if we were, you know, if we were revealing Pirates now and it had one single disc, everybody would be, you know, going gaga like they did back in October. And nobody would know that there was going to be three discs on there, but they had to take it out. It was it's more of a reveal and marketing mistake that they made. Um, than it was, you know, anything absolutely, engineering-wise.
0: Absolutely, you know, people—they, Stern does it all the time, but no one ever gets a peek into the development process. So you can't miss what you don't even know existed in the first yeah, place, right? Exactly. So, okay. So I think people are patiently waiting for the next Jersey Jack title, and I think Jersey Jack people just want more Jersey Jack games. I mean, it is there is such a demand. I think th- everyone would agree that if you give them their favorite license and you ask them which pinball manufacturer would you love to see make it, it's uh, always JJP. It's always JJP. Always. I mean, they they just they take it to another level that no one else is doing. I think they actually probably should be charging more considering what they put in their games, but that's just between you and me and the, the collectors. That's why the collector's editions. I think Jack. I think Jack does struggle with with a lot of the marketing. I I think he's sort of stuck in this like doesn't want to be the same as stern but stern has a formula that that really works and like who really wants a standard edition jersey jack game and then 1500 is not really limited it's just he's stuck in this weird numbers game that i think he needs to get out of and i think he can get out of it but he's just got to commit and i think jack just also needs to be unapologetic in 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 the fact that he makes such a premium pinball game there are so many multimillionaires in this hobby And I think the mistake you can get is thinking, well, I'm going to alienate my buyer base if I charge too much. I I don't know, because Jack's not really giving you like a pro and then an LE, right? I mean, every game has everything in it. It's more about the cosmetic changes. So I think as the company continues to mature, I would love for Jack to revisit some of their marketing decisions, and I would offer my services to Jersey Jack Pinball for free to help them figure some of this out. And I... I, I make a lot an hour in, in the world of marketing, Jack. I would love to help you, but we'll we'll see if he takes me up on that, Joe. Um, <laughs> all right, let's go next to Spooky. So Spooky right now is sort of in an interesting place. We all know that TNA is selling really well. It, it is now officially the best-selling Spooky game of all time. Um, no one saw that coming a year ago. Uh, and we now have seen the reveal of Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, which they – have they started, Joe, actually taking the thousand dollar deposits yet
1: oh yeah yeah we we we, i'm almost sold out of my allotment yeah we've been doing that since the reveal
0: okay so people are committed and those are non-refundable so those people they're going to get a game when when do you think we're going to see
1: um alice cooper ship uh you know charlie talks um production starting in june and I would then realistically think, you know, we might see games in boxes in in July, you know, maybe in June. Um, I don't think he's that far off. You know, obviously, Alice Cooper has been a game he's been working on for a really long time. Um, so, you know, the development has already been done and we are close to, you know, to production on it. Um, I think they still need this next month or two. It's going to be the, you know, parts coming in and getting organized and setting the lineup and, and, and training, you know, the minions to, uh, you know, to build a new game and all that good stuff. So it's it's always slow with every single company and every new title. Um, but I think we're definitely looking at the summer. Uh, you know, Charlie's usually pretty, Charlie's very conservative um, with his estimates on things. So I think when Charlie says something, you can rest assured that he's struggled with making you know something publicly official so if Charlie says June uh, I usually don't have any doubt in in what Charlie says right
0: okay so I think there's you know everyone is looking forward to getting more more time on the machine Um, how many games are you are you you, you're a big spooky distributor so is your allotment pretty large in terms of they're making 500 like what percentage of that are, are going to your
1: customers uh, 10%, I get 10%, uh, of which, which is, is big in spooky terms. Uh, right. you know, obviously they sell direct and, and obviously spooky needs to, you know, they keep their bill of materials and the cost of the game as low as they possibly could. So, you know, they, uh, you know, obviously we make something from selling the game and, uh, you know, they, they can't, you know, have half of their entire games, you know, be sold. They need to, you know, to fund the company, you know, they need to make their margins as well on selling direct. But, um, you know, I, I, you know, I was Charlie's first distributor. I was probably his only distributor from, um, you know, America's Most Haunted and Rob Zombie. And then he brought, you know, some more folks in uh, with TNA just to get the game out there piece it was going to be unlimited, number one. And then also, um, you know, to get more exposure across the country and do more shows and stuff like that. Uh, you know, we always struggled. I, I kind of hooked up with Charlie from the standpoint that I offered to him, you know, not even, uh, from a business perspective of being a distributor, just because I, I had a segment on his podcast for years and I, you know, was a sponsor on the podcast and Charlie and I were friends, you know, I told Charlie, I said, send me a game, you know, send me an America's most haunted. Let me send it to the shows on the East coast and get you exposure to the shows that you can't take the time nor spend the money to go to every single show. Let me take the East coast for you. And and that's kind of how, you know, our relationship with me as a distributor evolved. Um, so, you know, now he's got some other distributors that are small and they might, you know, some of them only got like five or 10 games. I mean, I'm very happy with getting, you know, 50 and, you know, obviously I have a lot of past spooky customers because, you know i've been a spooky distributor for every title so uh, you know it doesn't take long you know for those 50 to disappear with you know prior customers of mine that have bought every spooky title and and new people obviously that were excited about you know uh, them upping the game so to speak and having a lot more on the game than maybe they had in, right. in prior titles uh i think the artwork is fantastic on it um i think the playfield layout is really cool um Joe,
0: how does the allocation work? Because I think what's interesting with 500 and Charlie said this, there's sort of an 18 month production window. So mm-hmm. you could get your game in the summer, you can get your game in a year and a half. Um, if you have 50, how does, how does that work? Does he sort of equally, is it first come first serve or are, are your customers getting numbers? So when they, when they go in, they know what number they are. So they can just at least set their expectations of when they expect to get a game.
1: Well, here's how the number thing happened uh, what happens with spooky like with other companies you know I'll kind of get off track for a second like I, I tend to a lot but um, with other companies like with Jersey Jack you know when Pirates comes out let's say I order a hundred games um, we don't necessarily I'll get game numbers because I like getting you know like the 300 and 400 and 500 numbers and and I usually you know get taken care of with that with the numbers but we don't necessarily get time allotments. Um, and when they start production, let's say a company like Jersey Jack, they'll say, okay, Pinball Star bought, you know, they bought 100 games. We know we owe them a lot. So each allotment that they get each month, they're going to get, I'll pick a number out of here they're going to get 15. Whereas maybe a smaller distributor that doesn't buy that much um, might get, he might, you know, maybe he just ordered 25 games, he might get five a month. And I just had this conversation today with somebody that inquired about a Pirate's. And they wanted to know what number they would be in line. And I had I had explained to them, I said, the number in line <clears throat> is irrelevant, you know, with any distributor, because I might get 15 a month, somebody else might get 30 a month, and somebody else might get five a month. So you could be number 10 with three different distributors, and that's, you're going to get your game at different times. So, you know, people sometimes aren't asking enough questions of their distributor in terms of when I might expect to see my game. Um, you know, I, I take the time and sometimes people don't want to hear it. They just want that number. And I try to take the time and explain to them the numbers are relevant because, you know, number three, with one distributor and number 10 at another distributor, you know, you may get number 10 sooner than you get number three. But with spooky, what they do is, you know, we already had our numbers lined up and I was, you know, they were very generous with getting me the 50 and, and I was very happy with that. Um, and then what basically we do before the game is revealed, uh, they'll, they'll give me, you know, spots. They'll say, okay, we're going to give you 20 to 30. We're going to give you 80 to 90. We're going to give you 130 to 140 and and so on and so forth and spread it out during the run so that when I start selling my games, you know, I know, okay, I've got 20 in the first 100. Um, some are really up front, you know, and, and then... And then the other thing that Spooky does, which is actually getting a little difficult to to keep track of, because now we've got so many more prior customers, but Charlie is is adamant about you know Spooky comfort, Spooky customers go to the front of the line. So I might have had somebody that ordered that is new to new to Spooky that never bought a Spooky game before from me or from them direct, and they may have bought on day one, and then maybe a Spooky customer that bought on day three is going to jump ahead of them only because before we actually slotted people, we gave it like a week, you know, even two weeks and we didn't assign numbers to anybody. We just kept our orders. And then what I did for my customers and I'm, and obviously spooky has to do the same thing for theirs is I already had my numbers. So then I had to sit down and look at, um, okay, these people had bought spooky games before they go to the front and then everyone else that was left you know, obviously it was timestamped from PayPal because that's how most people paid, you know, here's who ordered in line. And then we lined people up and I'll tell you what, everybody's been happy. I think, uh, you know, all my games are under 400, which was kind of cool. So I don't have anybody in the last Mm hundred. Um, and, uh, I got my numbers. We finally revealed numbers. I don't know if you know this, but we revealed numbers, um, midweek this week, I think Tuesday or Wednesday. And, uh, to our customers and everybody was happy like even people that were 250 and they were like oh i'm halfway there you know i'll right. probably be by the end of the year so you know Gives nobody you had anything time to save money too
0: i feel like sometimes
1: you're at the back of the line and you... some <laughs> and some people wanted to be at the end of the line i right. had some i had somebody that said i want to be your absolute last number right and i'm like okay cool you're right number 394 right, right. enjoy right right right, right. right.
0: Okay, cool. Well, things are going well and Spooky. Um, let's go to the next manufacturer where things aren't going so well, and that's, that's Highway Pinball. And there's been a lot of developments this week about Highway Pinball, pretty much announcing that they're closing shop. And what are your thoughts, Joe? I'm sure you've you've, you've heard
1: some stuff and seen some stuff around this. Uh, I'm I'm I was not a Highway distributor, and I'm lucky I I'm well yeah yeah yeah, very much so Um, I don't want to be in situations like that either financially or with my customers did they ever
0: approach you to distribute for them
1: Uh, I talked to Andrew uh, at one of the shows at one point but um, you know he had already gotten hooked up with uh, Cointaker who I'm close friends with and we're very close geographically Um, so it was never really much of anything other than, you know, when the Full Throttle came out. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't really like it. I didn't like Full Throttle. Um, I, and did, I, it, did anybody? I don't know. It had some good <laughs> geometry to it. I thought. I thought the artwork was, you know, like, you know, a four-year-old drew the artwork. Um, and I never really got the, you know, and this is going to sound stupid coming from somebody that sells Jersey Jack and loves the L C D screen, but I didn't really get the little L C D screens on the play field and what they were supposed to signify and whether you were supposed to look at them. And I, I just never got that game. And I I didn't like the cabinet design. I even for Alien, like I don't like the really thin head that right. they had on the games. I didn't like the black cabinet with then the artwork stuck but, in the middle of it. Right. Um I would just personally wasn't a huge fan of what they were doing. Um, you know, I've, as far as the collapse of the company, no, nobody wants to see that's not good for anybody. That's not good for the hobby. It wasn't good when it happened with skip B. It wasn't good when it happened with, with J pop. Um, it's not good for, you know, highway. And I feel bad that there are people that have money that is now gone and aren't going to get a game that they wanted to have. Um, so it's just, it's not good all around. Um, I just really wish that, before people start a pinball company, they ensure that they have the backing financially to get them to the finish line. Right. Because pinball is hard, Chris. It, it is. It's and hard. The, the thing it's is, when,
0: hard. when people lose money, I don't think there's anything that makes people never want to buy another game again. It, it's it, You just get sour on the entire hobby if you've lost. I mean, I know guys who, who have lost like thirty thousand dollars on J pop games. I mean that's it's, a, it's it, it I lost, really I lost ten.
1: What are you in on a Raza? I was in on Raza and Alice? like an idiot and, and like an idiot Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. Are you... Based on a based on a pencil sketch drawing. You... Kick all me all in the need, nuts at That's all you need.
0: <laughs> um, do you a think, pencil sketch. Do you think DeepRoot is gonna have you been approached by them as in terms no. of getting some sort of so, are you, you? But you're not involved in the lawsuit. So, you you aren't they offering some sort of remedy to past Zidware customers to sort of remedy or give half credit or something? Off? The, do you think they're gonna? Let's Let's jump to DeepRoot because from highways. Well, so, well can you, I
1: correct you on something? I am involved in a lawsuit.
0: Okay, because I know some people are, and and I know you can't talk about it. So we'll, we'll 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 move past that. So DeepRoot as a company, though, I mean, I know they've they had some. They came out with some bold claims of, of how they were going to sort of disrupt the pinball marketplace. They were going to use quad manufacturing. They hired a whole bunch of people. What, what are your thoughts when you saw another pinball player jump into the ring?
1: Oh, I think it's great that another pinball player jumps in the ring. Um, I, I, I don't know that I'm a f- fan of how they did it. You know, with a lot of ambiguity and quad manufacturing. Do you know what quad manufacturing is?
0: I, from what I can piece together, is it where the just say ga-
1: just say no, just say no.
0: I thought it's like four people working on the game at
1: once. I have no idea. I, I, th- I, don't, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, I, and I don't want to say I haven't followed it. Obviously, I've I've read what what's come out um, and what's been put out. And obviously, they've hired some people and and things and you know, very lofty expectations and. You know, threatening comments to, you know, every company out there that, you know, they better step aside. You know, here comes the five days of Deep DeepRoot. Um, again, I they may come out with a great product. Nobody knows right now, um, you know, and and obviously they've got the financial backing, it seems, to, to kind of see it through, which was what I was just complaining about a little bit with Highway. So that's a good thing. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what they come up with. I know at TPF next year is... Is going to be their their springboard and their launchpad to uh, for their platform and so supposedly multiple games. Uh.
0: Isn't it crazy, like from zero to multiple games? When when history has shown us that even just getting one game ready within a year is really difficult. Um, so I think everyone's really curious. Like they're very bullish. I, I I tell Robert all the time, like I hey man, I look forward to you guys proving people wrong. And if you can get it done. Um, I'm your first buyer if you can if you can get Magical working.
1: I don't I don't disagree. I mean I I I wish them the best. I hope there's another company making great games for people to enjoy and bringing innovation. I mean it's no different than you know let's say what Jersey Jack did when he came into the market. I I always tell people I said hey before Jersey Jack came on board people complain about. You know the prices or a delay or this or that or you know three spinning discs but you know before you know jack guinari put his vision uh you know into play uh we were playing nba and csi and that's what we had to offer and right, right now we've we're you know we're having a whole podcast about all these different companies and all the great titles and all the innovation that's in those games and that's because somebody did something different and you know if deep root is going to do that and and kind of you know shift things and change things for the better. Then right. I, I wish them the best. I hope, I hope I hope it is a cool product. Right.
0: Well, speaking of innovation, let's move on to Multimorphic MP3, which have has finally started shipping. Um, obviously, we're not seeing the, you know the volumes of these games go out. Um, but what what are your thoughts? Are, are you a distributor for these guys or? Uh, do you have any yeah, ideas? Uh,
1: I, I, I was I was I was going to be um i you know i really admire jerry and everything that jerry's done and and i followed very very closely uh the product i've offered boot space to jerry uh you know at my shows allentown and others multiple times um you know to to help get more exposure for the platform um it just took so long you know it took so long to get it to production and i know he's got some great ideas um and he put on an incredible display at TPF with basically, you know, x number of games, each one showing the different titles that they offer and the different, you know, versions. I know there's like the kitty versions with the, you know, the Canyon Canyon, or the Canon Canyon. I think is the title of it. And uh, um, so I think, you know, he's obviously a really smart guy, um, very innovative game i just always questioned whether the ten thousand dollar price point and that whole interchangeability was going to catch on with people um i think when more people get exposed to it um i think it will it will kind of catch fire a little bit more um yeah. So I don't know. I a, I don't know how sales burn have been. For sure. It's it's it, yeah. it is, and, and that's the only thing. And that's not not taking anything away from it. And I think he realizes it's, you know, it's a long term, um, you know, commitment to get, you know, different products and to get people to buy into the concept. But I think it's extremely, you know, innovative. And and Jerry's obviously a great guy, and 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 built a great product, and and wanted to perfect it until he came out with it. Um, so, uh, you know, who knows? Like, I, you know, haven't really talked, you know, seriously with Jerry, but, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to, he, he wouldn't be someone I wouldn't want to distribute for now.
0: Right. Okay. So moving on, we talked a little bit about Chicago gaming and they obviously didn't bring their new title to TPF this year. And you, you're saying that we might get that title announced in the end of May,
1: um, it's definitely coming soon, you know, after – Do you know what TPA. it is? You don't
0: have to tell me, but you know what the title is?
1: Uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't. You know, they will not w- – even when I speak to, you know, to Doug Score at and and we're good friends and sometimes we call each other and just shoot to shit and chat things other than pinball, uh, I respect, you know, his position and I respect our relationship enough that I will never say – Hey, just tell me what it is. Yeah, you know, yeah. or tell me what the one after that is. And you know, I just don't do that. And when we have conversations, and I'm sure every distributor, when they have conversations with Chicago Gaming, we don't call it, you know, what everyone thinks it is, we call it remake number three. And when right. he sends an email to everybody, it's titled, you know, number three. And, you know, just like Attack from Mars we're going to get number three in emails until the day that he's ready to tell us, which will probably be a week or so before what we'll do is he usually does a, a couple conference calls where he'll get everybody on a conference call instead of doing an email. Uh, he, they'll reveal the title and the features of the game on a conference call with everyone. And, um, uh, and then usually the week before, you know, the week of the reveal, we'll do another one like the day before we can go live with it and he'll lay out the rules for selling and what time we can start and, right. You know what deposits are and stuff. So officially, no, I don't know what it is. Um, I think obviously there's enough rumors out there that everybody thinks they know what it is, including myself. Um, I'm not going to say well, I actually, haven't even as, possibly as, printed some marketing materials right. up. As, and if as, I'm wrong, then I wasted some money. <laughs> right.
0: As a distributor, and, and they've already revealed the titles that they intend to remake, everything from Monster Bash to Big Bang Bar to Theater of Magic to Circus Voltaire. Mm-hmm. The they Cactus didn't. Canyon. They
1: they didn't, Rick from Planetary did. There's a difference. Okay. All right. So, so, take that with a grain of salt.
0: Out of those five, which one which one do you think would be the best selling? Uh, give me the rundown again. So, we got Big Bang Bar, we got Monster Bash, we got Theater of Magic, we've got Circus Voltaire and Cactus Canyon.
1: Okay, I that's very easy for me to to lay those out. I think Monster Bash and Cactus Canyon have always been number one or two, um, as far as the next titles after Medieval and Attack from Mars. Number one, because Monster Bash commands a lot of money, and it's rare, and Cactus Canyon, for the same reason, maybe not so much because it's a beloved game like Monster Bash is, but because it's an extremely rare game, um, and with the Cactus Canyon continued, and that's a whole other discussion as to whether you know, the, the, what'll be in there if they do at some point do cactus Canyon. Um, I think they announced that if they ever do that title, it will be fully programmed, uh, whether it is with Eric's, you know, cactus Canyon continued or, you know, something else. um, I don't know that answer. Um, but I think those two titles, again, me personally, not knowing anything or trying to spill any beans, but I would think that those would be logically the next two titles. Mm -hmm after monster after medieval and attack from mars um the one that i would love to see done would be big bang bar i think it would be great to have um well to be honest with you i was actually pushing for kingpin you know they quiz us every once in a while what games did we do we think would sell well what would be the price points for certain titles because let's face it at some point in time you know if they do you know 10 remakes um you know we're going to be going down lower on the scale of what people are willing to pay you know versus buying you know a used game um i how, i was how did those
0: guys steal the kingpin license out from underneath all of this i don't
1: know that they stole it i you know i, I it's an interesting question and i don't really know the answer it, it was something i thought about um you know but i'm i'm thrilled that um you know that Uh, circus maximus is is doing it and uh i I played it at tpf and the game played great i mean it's it's a cool game I i played an original years ago i had a collector friend that owned one and i just thought it was a really unique game with the time feature of it um i was actually pushing for that to be the next remake that they do like if they asked me i kept saying kingpin kingpin you know nobody nobody's seen it nobody played it it's a great game it's got the the aura of mystique like big bang bar does now obviously you know with circus maximus doing kingpin uh big bang bar would then kind of you know go, go up a rung of the ladder for me as far as the next title that i think would would just continuously sell very well. Right. Um, now, when you start getting into Circus Voltaire and Theater of Magic, um, Tales of the Arabian Nights, I know we're all picking Papa Duke games there, um, you know, they have a little bit of a less of an allure for me as a collector, because I don't think there's any rarity with those games. I think anyone that wants to buy one can get one still at a fairly decent price. You know, there was a big advantage for people with medieval and attack from Mars and, and it will be with monster bash and cactus Canyon. If those are done that you can get those games brand new uh, you know, you can get an LE with an incredible topper like Attack from Mars for eight thousand dollars instead of paying. You know, a few years ago we were paying twelve and thirteen for those titles, mm-hmm. and maybe up to fifteen for a really nice restored, you know, medieval madness. Um, you know, I don't know that Circus Voltaire and Theater of Magic are you know, commanding that kind of money in the market. So it's gonna be a little bit more of a more of a lateral purchase where someone can look at, well I can get a used one for six or seven, or do I buy a new one for eight, that type of thing. But keep in mind, I mean, you know, the remakes are very reasonably priced. I mean, you can get the classic edition for sixty five hundred dollars. And that's basically exactly what you got, you know, which would be uh, like a high end
0: store of the old one if you because you could never find it in that condition anywhere.
1: Right. and the games are flawless i mean one huge advantage you know advantage or one thing that i always tell people that are looking to buy a chicago gaming remake uh, by far their games have minimal service issues right. like minimal right. uh i could tell you i've probably sold you know i don't know 150 to 200 between the two remakes i've had one customer that we had to send a part to to replace one out of all right. those games and it was just something funky with a mid with a medieval troll uh pop-up that wasn't it wasn't it was binding a little bit and we had to send a customer a new one but uh the games are flawless i mean they really are very well made uh very quality conscious now maybe some of that is because they are remakes and they're not brand new games that new engineering is done on but um i could tell you chicago game is very caring with their production and uh testing their games out before yes. they send them out yes. so it's a huge advantage uh, for buying one of their titles you're not cool. going to be under the hood on it
0: yeah so we, well we look forward to seeing the game in, in may and i agree i think the i think that the changes they make to the display and to the topper and to the the armor uh, it's it's a beautiful package they deliver they make these old games feel pretty much new again
1: well um, i i'm gonna interject and tell you something like i had a conversation one time i was at the factory and they were throwing titles out at me and they threw out you know titles that there's a lot of them out there they said well what do you think about adam's family or what do you think about twilight zone and you know i initially was kind of throwing them at the bottom of the list and saying well there's you know there's 20,000 Adams families why you know what kind of market for you know people have owned them like you know or or still have them like what kind of market do you think and their answer was was you know they w- w- was actually pretty smart They said, well, we think that we're giving people more than what the original games had. And and they really are doing that. When you look at the double-sized DMD, the toppers that they're including, doing some more lighting enhancements or adding some extra stuff to the game, uh, they really are better than the original to an extent. Uh,
0: I also think, you know, Joe, even though there were 20,000, that means there were twenty thousand out. Like they weren't like most of them were not ending in collectors' homes and new in box. Yeah, you know, they're all beat up. They're of all course. beat up. So it's like yeah. it's still super hard to find a good example of any game whether there was five thousand of them or twenty thousand because they're just thirty-year-old games that were beat to shit. You know, so I, I think that people would rather have it new. Um, so I think more good stuff to come from Chicago Gaming. Dutch Pinball is next on our list here, and I'm hearing rumors that they have. Found a financial backer, and that they are close to getting their Chinese production games out. What do you th- what do you think?
1: Uh, I really haven't heard um, much about it. Um, I can tell you that of all the companies that struggled, uh, I really hold my hopes out for Dutch because I think that the game that they came out with. Uh, in addition to being a theme that everybody loved to have, I think they did an incredible job, you know, with the uh, uh, the layout of the game, the toys on the game, the sculpts on the game. Um, they just they just made a really good product, and and they're good people. Um, you know, I I know that they hit, you know, they hit, uh, you know, some rough spots, but I don't think there was any mismanagement or any, you know, anything in, in lines of them not really understanding what they were trying to do i i think they're good pinball people i think they're good people overall and i would really be disappointed if they didn't come through um so i'm glad to hear that you know you heard that there's maybe some more investors and financing um coming their way um i'd love to see them and they're still pushing you know like even to get the you know the the whole problem they had with uh, ARA and and the production there and 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 getting the carpet pulled out from under them um, and then they continued to try to push the project. Obviously, when they were probably hurting financially and finding you know manufacturing in China to, to build the game. I mean, that, that, I give them a lot of credit for for continuing to push.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I've always loved the game. I I I, I feel like. When they hit their snafu, they originally did the wrong thing and, and, and tried to lie about what the issue was. They should have probably just came out and been more transparent. But I think they've learned, and I think what's hard for them, and I said this in my last podcast, is they, they, it's just it's a long, arduous journey to have to find a new person to make your game in China. And they don't have updates. And they've got all these people, like the same way you hate like, pre-orders, Joe. It's like people with money locked in who are banging on their door for years and you know they want answers and they don't have games and I think we're learning that the pre-order model for the most part is dead and if you're going to go in on a pre-order, just make sure you have the, 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 the skin thick enough to go on the journey with the manufacturers because you're on it. Once you're on that train, you're on that train and you can't get off at the next station if, 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 if they can't give refunds. Um, so we'll see what happens with Dutch. Um, American Pinball. Are you you're you distributor right for Houdini? Of course, yep. yep. We'll so, have uh, we'll have a few of them at Allentown. How's it going? Are they I, I, are they getting more production ramped up? I know that they were backlogged yes. with orders. Where's it at right now?
1: I just uh, I just shipped ten of them out today, so that was uh, really good news. That was the biggest number in one shot that I've I've gotten shipped at one time. Uh, so yeah, they're they're definitely. You know, hitting their stride now, which is which is good. You know, early on, um, you know, they they hit their mark. You know, they they did get a game out the door before the end of the year. It may have been, you know, fairly symbolic to put one of one game in a box and, you know, say, hey, we shipped a game type of thing. And then they really started production in, in, you know, mid late January and, and into February. And it's it was slow. Of course, it was slow because it was a new company. There were new employees. Uh, it, it was a new, you know, factory and in line. And I'll be honest with you, these guys are so uh, quality conscious. Uh, Joe Balser would play every single game, the designer, before it went into the box, probably for a good you know, half hour, 45 minutes uh, until he approved that the game was worthy of being shipped to a customer. Uh, So they were only shipping maybe five games a week because they were making sure every single one was perfect. And for the most part, we really haven't had any service issues with them. Um, I'm trying to think if I even have had a service issue, maybe like one little stupid thing or some tweaks here or there or something like that. But uh, that catapult shot that shoots the ball, what is it? 22 inches or something like that um it works perfectly with most games the only hiccups that there were initially with it is if somebody didn't level the game properly or uh if they were in a location where there was a big power draw then they had to kind of tweak the power for the coil up or down a little bit to to get it dialed in so to speak so it hit the shot majority of the time um but, yeah, no, production is going really well. They've hired more people. Uh, they ha- hired uh, uh, Barry Engler, who's doing tech support, and Barry is phenomenal. Uh, if anybody has an issue or if somebody mi- is missing something, you know, when the game was shipped, uh, you know, Barry's on it as quick as I would uh, as I would be for, like, one of my customers. So he was a, a really good addition. Uh, you know, we got Jim Thornton and Joe Balser. Uh, you know, making sure the games are working properly and and the line is is doing what they're doing. Um, I'm excited for these guys. They're they're really good, um, really good pinball people. And I could tell you, I see the same level of passion with them making their games because they love pinball and not necessarily just because it's a business for them, as I did with Jack starting Jersey Jack or Charlie starting Spooky. Uh, These guys have their heart, blood, sweat, and tears into it. And, uh, you know, Joe's starting to work on uh, number two. Uh, He did tell me that uh, he actually, the last couple weeks, uh, is taking some days and working out of his house, just so now that production is where it should be with Houdini. He's able to, you know, take a couple days and work out of his home and not have to be, you know, when he's designing a game, I I guess, you know, obviously he doesn't want to be distracted. Hey, Joe, come here and look at this on the line or, you know, it's it's not going to be conducive to him, you know, being concentrating and working well. So it's good news that he's starting to work on game number two. I think they probably will maybe look to release that maybe at Expo. I don't know. Uh, Can you since you know
0: these guys so well? Can you ask them not
1: to make Oktoberfest? You know, I've never been officially told Oktoberfest. (laughs) Uh, But I, but I honestly have not asked. You know, Joe called. Joe called me on Monday at a conversation, and I, I just haven't asked them. You know, (laughs) well, you would think uh, it's interesting because you would think a manufacturer
0: would actually use its distributor under NDA to float potential titles to see. Hey, how do you think this would sell? You know, Ask the guy who's doing the selling.
1: It, it, it does happen. I mean, I have conversations with Jack every week about upcoming Jersey Jack titles or licenses that he's he's looking at. Uh, I think what you're going to see from American pinball is, is mostly things that aren't going to be licensed, that they don't have to be restricted by a licensor um, telling them what they can and can't do. So I wouldn't be surprised if Oktoberfest, because that certainly falls within that that realm. Uh, Houdini is not licensed, even though it is a person. It's I guess it reaches that point in time, kind of like nobody owns Happy Birthday. You know, it's old enough that you know you don't have to pay or be subjected to uh, uh, a licensee um, telling you right. what to do. So I, I've heard Oktoberfest, but uh, again, just because we always have more. And I don't want to say more important stuff to talk about when I'm talking to these guys, but uh, I never did ask the question, so I don't I don't know whether it is Oktoberfest or not. I'm right. not lying. Maybe it is. Maybe I it's not.
0: It's maybe not. there'll be
1: girls holding beers with big boobs, and you're gonna like it, Chris. Uh,
0: well, I do. I, I have to be careful here. I think Brenda listens to this <laughs> podcast. Um, let Let me. Let's talk about. Let's see. I've got. We, so you're the distributor now for a guy who I'm not a fan of, over there in Australia-slash-China, Homepin. Homepin, yeah. So, like, talk to me, because, you know, Mike is Mike is all over the place. I mean, he's like a little bit of a loose cannon at times, and he, went, he goes from, you know, I'm not making these games for the U.S. market, and now we have a U.S. distributor. How did you come to be the distributor for Thunderbirds?
1: Um, I was approached, um, by, and I've never dealt with Mike, so I'll, I'll start there. And I honestly, you know, maybe shame on me for not maybe understanding some of the backstory and, and history. Uh, you know, obviously I knew that Thunderbirds was a game that was in development. Um, I never really was in tune to any of the things that he might've said that, You know, that, oh, we don't, you know, we don't want to sell to the U.S. or we don't care to sell to the U.S. or U.S. isn't our market. Um, You know, and, and I don't know where that came from. You know, some of it could have come from the fact that, you know, the Thunderbirds characters and cartoons, even though they are enormously popular in Europe and other countries, it's pretty much like. Uh, you know, what would be here, you know, G.I. Joe and Barbie. Uh, I mean, right. they are extremely popular cultural icons. So he did hit a, a theme that is very popular, just not in the United States. We had, you know, a lot of other things that, you know, kids and cartoons dealt with. And, and for whatever reason, Thunderbirds never caught on here or was never seen here. Um, I don't know if that comment, you know, maybe came from that, that it wasn't necessarily a, an American uh, theme you know yeah, geared I mean, it make, it towards the sense. American I mean, market I yeah. don't know uh but I've never dealt with Mike uh I I I've, I've never spoken to him uh I deal with uh his master distributor who is spelled differently highway games in Australia spelled like the highway there's no extra e in there uh, but they are a big gaming distributor in uh Australia um they deal with you know everything uh, arcade related and uh, coin op related uh, very reputable company uh, so that was where i got you know my first uh, introduction you know to introduction with 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 uh, home pin was you know from steve at, at highway in in o, in australia that you know, we are looking for representation in the united states and and would you you know would you like to be distributor for us and for me um, I, I looked at the game. I talked to, uh, another counterpart distributor, Tommy from nitro pinball, who I'm good friends with up in Canada. And Tommy did do a little bit more due diligence up front, And I kind of leaned on his experience, uh, what he went through. He actually went to Australia. Uh, he saw the game, played the game in person, talked to the people. Uh, and he was very, very excited about it. Uh, before I signed up with them, I had a conversation you know, off to the side at TPF with Tommy, and, and and said, "What do you think?" And he said, "I think you would be perfect for them." And he said, "I I I think we're we're going to do very well with it." You know, primarily because of the price point, and I haven't played one. Uh, I watched the videos. I've learned everything I could about the game. I think for a five thousand dollar price point, I think they are putting a, a fair amount of things into the game, some mechanical stuff, um, and for me. Uh, I don't have any titles, you know, I've got spooky now that is going up, you know, Alice Cooper's close to 6,500. I've got Houdini at seven. Uh, I've got the Chicago gaming remakes that go from 65 to eight. I've got, you know, then you go into the higher end. We got Jersey Jack that, you know, now we're at 85, 95 and 12,500. So for me, picking up home pin was, uh, trying to fill a, a little niche that, uh, you know, as a distributor, I don't have that lower price point game, and I'll be honest with you, I, I wasn't expecting to do gangbusters with them, and I don't I don't know that we will on this title, um, just maybe because of the theme, but we've sold a good amount of games already, and I really haven't even marketed that much. I announced it on Facebook. Uh, I did try desperately to get one for Allentown, but they are just starting production now. And it does take three or four weeks to get a game from Australia and shipped uh, on a container and over to U.S. And, and to me. So we weren't able to hit Allentown, even though we were trying up until the last couple weeks. But uh, uh, I, I've had a lot of people that have bought the game for me, and I really haven't pushed it that much. So right. I'm expecting big things once I am able to get one in my possession and start bringing it to shows and show people that, here, you can buy you know a, a a game for $5,000, um, and at a great price point, And it's a fun game from right. what I can tell so far. I'm excited yeah, to I mean, try to play one. So that's kind of fairly new to us. And, and, you know, I, I did learn after the fact of, you know, some consternation with some people regarding, you know, the owner, Mike, and, and, you know, some things that he has said, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm not selling Mike. I'm selling the game that Mike made. Right, right.
0: Well, Joe, I think we're, I don't know if there's, is there anyone left that we haven't covered off on? I think we got them all. I'm looking at the list on Pinside. So Joe, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I always try to keep us within around an hour. We're at an hour 15. We don't want to get into that dangerous head-to-head pinball territory where we start to creep (laughs) towards two hours and then I have to fill in the Marty Lap track.
1: Hey, what well, uh, I do have to ask you, though. I, yeah. You know, I was talking to a, a customer and friend of mine, Joe Fox, and I, I, he's friends with uh, – I know someone that you're friends with, Robert Mooney. And I, I guess oh, yeah. these guys say that you give your games away to people to store in their houses, and they get to beat up on them a lot. Is that true? <laughs> and if so, how come I haven't gotten any? Robert, I heard there's like a fix of Felix out there that yeah, – uh, Robert is
0: the that, caretaker of of my it, arcade machines that are – Well, no how do I become games, a
1: caretaker? But. I mean, or how do how how do the Canada Pinball Podcast listeners become a caretaker of your games?
0: You have to have an amazing game room worthy of my my children that are in, in in good hands. And Robert's an amazing amazing guy. I mean i I will say this: what I loved about what I love about this hobby, and I know we get caught up in the drama, right? There's a lot of drama right now with Highway. There's a lot of drama with Dutch. Uh, what keeps me excited about pinball are all the amazing people you meet all the amazing people that you never would have met if you weren't brought together through the hobby itself. And, and, and so I love talking to guys like you, Joe, I love Robert and it's, it's, it's great to geek out over such a fun topic like pinball with people who are so passionate about it. Um, so yeah, we all
1: get to, we all get to escape, you know, our daily lives and, you know, everybody's got some heartache and, and trouble and things they have to get through or pressures with work and stuff and, and these games and just obsessing with the titles and the artwork and the features. And, you know, it, I, we all love doing it. So it's all good stuff. And there are great people in this hobby, uh, you know, be it, uh, friendships or, uh Whatever. I mean, I, 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 had a thing last, last month where, uh, you know, one of the guys that worked for me that does a lot of deliveries, he, he lost his house to a fire and, you know, man, I, I had people that didn't even know him. Obviously we had a lot of people that knew him. Um, you know, uh, donate, he had a GoFundMe set up and, and, you know, people that knew him that he delivered to and took care of them, like they donated. And then, you know, then I had people like literally up until the last couple of weeks, and this happened about two months ago, you know, I had people just seeing the thread on Pinside and then shoot me an email. Like, is it too late? Can I still send this guy a check? He sounds like a nice guy and, and it's, right. you know, sucks that he lost his house. So we, we, we've good people in the hobby, you know, and, and everybody just, you know for the most part wants to get along and let's face it we all love pissing and moaning and bitching that you know uh and and debating and and all that and, and for the most part it's always done and when we meet each other in person at shows and yeah, there was any any good. consternation it's all good stuff
0: right well joe i will see you at allentown i think i might go down on friday may 4th just because i've i've cinco de mayo
1: obligations it's, uh, it's all i know lightened. you told me that Oh, it's single, single de mile. Why it's, don't you define what you mean by obligation? I mean, drinking. margaritas and drinking.
0: K- Kentucky Derby's also the same day this year. It's kind of going to be a, a shit show. So I will see you that Friday. And Joe, thank you again for coming on. Always appreciate your insight into the hobby. And we, we will have to get you on more consistently on the show, and we'll make that happen. We'll do it once a year. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, buddy. All right, brother.
1: You never met somebody
0: like me before,
1: though.